Welcome to the Keystone Collective Podcast. Whether you're a dedicated athlete or simply curious about life's boundless potential, this is your destination right here. Every episode, we're here to break down limiting beliefs and empower your journey towards becoming the best version of you. Let's get going. Jonathan, it's a it's a pleasure to have you on uh, the podcast here. How are you doing? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, yeah. If you want, can you start off with an introduction? That For would sure. Be great. Let me just. Uh, I gotta click the screen that popped up. There we go. Um, so yeah, I'm. Uh, my name's Jonathan Vote. I uh, uh, a father, three daughters, married, been married for a long time. Um, Gosh, it's kind of hard to talk about yourself when you put on a spot like that. <laughs> I, uh, I I do a lot of things. I'm a busy fellow, and uh, it's my my life's been a little bit chaotic for the past uh, five years. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I work in the construction industry uh, Monday to Thursday. I uh, build model aircraft, RC jets for for people all over the world. I have a YouTube channel uh, that kind of encompasses all that stuff. And uh, yeah, it's been quite a wild ride for five years. So in in its simplest form, that is me. That's really cool. Um, construction. So what kind of construction are you doing, you guys? Are you building homes or? So I, I specifically, I manage a stucco company. So we do commercial residential work. Um, it slows down quite a bit in the wintertime. So usually our, our busy season is basically when the weather is nice right so yeah uh springtime summer fall and then in the winter time it's pretty slow but uh yeah we do exterior finishes on on residential uh, and commercial projects really cool um what did you go to after high school did you go to college mm-hmm. did you go to university do you have a <laughs> what's that story I, uh, I did not i uh i i have taken some courses but i don't have a degree um i absolutely hated school uh in i don't know when that that hate started like i remember my earliest memory i guess of school is like some elementary school uh memories but i didn't like school then um i didn't like junior high i didn't like high school and there were there was parts about it that i enjoyed so i enjoyed um friends i enjoyed some of my classes like mechanics class in high school i loved because that's that's what i what i enjoy doing but academic side i hated school so i took a little bit of uh of courses related to construction um but not no degrees or anything like that no mm-hmm. and what was what was like the from what you can remember your first job that you had oh my first my very first job i was <clears throat> so I, my girlfriend at the time, I think I was 14 years old. Um, her dad was a manager of one of the Safeway locations. And he's like, we should get you in the store working. So he introduced me to the store manager at the one closest to my house. And he used to be a, a CFL football player. Cool. I, I can't remember his name, but yeah, he, he managed that location. So anyways, I, I met with him. And so my very first job was a, I think it was called a courtesy clerk in Safeway. And uh, within a few months, I was a cashier. So I think I was 15 years old and I was a cashier. And that was my very first job. So very obviously customer service service oriented. I mean, as much as it can get. So yeah. Did you have any aspirations of what you wanted to do at that Um, time? Like you're like, this is my dream. This is my passion. (laughs) I did. I, I, you know, growing up, and this is this is maybe a little bit cliche because a lot of young kids uh, always think this path. But I wanted to be a police officer or a fireman, and one of the one of the reasons I, I kind of learned when I was maybe a teenager that I can't do that because I'm missing some fingers mm. on my one hand, right? So I actually went as far. I think I was maybe 15 or 16, and I started looking into what the requirements were, and I just it wasn't possible. So. That was all. Ultimately, my very first dream career would have been to be a police officer, or fireman, but uh, that obviously didn't pan out. So, how did how did you respond to that? Because I mean, if if knowing that that's that's what you kind of wanted, and whether or not that would have transpired or not, like obviously, me thinking back to when I was around that age, mm-hmm. you know, I, I went through probably 
<laughs> six dozen different types. Oh, I want to do this. <laughs> Maybe this. That sounds cool too. Uh, but you know, if, if that was something that was really a dream for you, how did you how did you cope with that? Um, I think I was well prepared from from because this is I was born this way. Um, I was very well prepared from being a kid. I mean, when I, when I was in school, this is like, I mean, I was born in 79. So when I went through uh, elementary school, it was eighties. Right. And there was, there was no such thing as like anti-bullying or anything like that. So, <laughs> you know, when I was in school, it was like, you know, I obviously I got bullied quite a bit. And then I remember like grade six, I was the biggest kid in our class. So the bullying kind of stopped, but I mean, it was, it never really stopped, but uh, that prepared me, I think, for the realization that things in my life aren't necessarily going to go the way that uh, it would normally go for people or the opportunities would be different. Yeah. What a time. What a time back in like the yeah. 80s. It, anytime you reference that era, it's just it's it sounds weird because there's, yeah. there were almost no rules, like nothing, nothing yeah. was was wrong. And then then you yes. flash forward to kind of where we are now. And it's like, you have to be <laughs> <What a> completely <laughs> like in all areas, socially, politically, you just have to be mindful of everyone always. And it's, yeah. it's so different. It's so, and so yeah. I can't, I can, I can, I can see why a lot of those people that kind of grew up in that era have a bad rep or they're labeled as just like terrible people. Cause they don't, they didn't get with the times. And it's like, well, you, it's it's like completely black and white difference from yeah. then to where we are now. And just expecting yeah. that everyone would agree and, and jump on board. Of course not. Exactly. Whether that's right or not, not not really <laughs> a question. When you, when you grow up in that, you're it's really ingrained in who you are, right? And it's it's a it's a lot of work to to get out of it. Yeah. And people know? are stubborn. So, they're naturally stubborn, right? Course. So they're always gonna think that they're yeah, I did that that makes me laugh though, especially thinking about like what was what was the curriculum like? back then in school like or lack of curriculum i guess hey well zero computers that's for sure yeah. <laughs> right we actually we got our first home computer after i graduated high school really so that would have been i graduated high school in 97 so everything i did till grade 12 was all handwritten so when i handed in a uh, a language arts or la english english paper uh, it was all handwritten and yeah Exactly. Oh my God. And what I always lost marks on was spelling, right? So if I had a computer with spell check, I would have been getting 90s in, mm -hmm. in English. I actually really enjoyed English class. And I had a great teacher in grade, uh, grade 10 that absolutely flipped it around for me. But um, if I would have had a computer, I mean, I would have been 90s and I was getting 60s and 70s purely based on spelling mistakes. So have you ever wanted to get into the education field? Like, were you ever inspired um, to kind of be? No, uh, no, yeah. absolutely not. N not in its normal sense. So yeah, like, I guess right now I, I am in the education field with what I do in my YouTube channel, but mm -hmm. um, not in like the, the, the typical sense of going to a school every day and teaching a class or, or that, that sense. No, absolutely not. That's really not who I am. Um, I, yeah. I don't like that at all. I don't like the same thing every day. So, yeah. And I guess, I mean, even just for everyone listening, I think we met through Dynamax. Yeah, that would have and been that, like maybe what eight years ago or something. I think so. I think yeah, eight or nine. I think yeah. we're we're going up there. What yeah. a fun, interesting time that that was. It was really fun. I mean, I was I was pretty young. Um, I was preparing to go on a mission. Um, yeah. And so the thought of just you know making a whole bunch of money, making a whole bunch of passive income while I was away was like a yeah. dream. And I was I was thinking about this because it, it's it seems like. Multi-level marketing has a bad rep and, and yeah. like everyone has had some sort of exposure to it and yes. it's just, it's a scam. It's a scam. And it's, it's funny though, cause even the name, you know, multi-level marketing, it's, 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 it's a marketing technique. It's how you market sure. a product. And I think oftentimes depending on obviously who made the product, I feel like a lot of times they're just also just really good products. Yeah. Right. And I think I think the reason why people get scooped up and have bad experiences is because it's it's almost like you're trying to make it something it's not right. When you when you feel like if you're if you're working a job that you hate and you have this this opportunity to kind of do, you know, be your own boss and that's what yeah. you would love to do, then you kind of just go jump on ship. And then the the realities of 
oh, this could take some time or, oh, I need to actually work at this to be successful. Right. Cause I mean, you, you were supporting your whole family. Yeah, I was, uh, I mean, when, when you think about multi-level marketing, uh, it's really all about entrepreneurship, right? Yeah. So whether you're doing it, uh, in that sense, or whether you're building a traditional business or, or whatever path you decide, um, it's basically you deciding to be an entrepreneur. Um, it can be, it can be profitable, but it's, it's a, it's a ridiculous amount of work. Like it's no, it's no easier than, than building a, a traditional business. Yeah. It's different, but it's no easier for sure. I mean, like my first couple of years with Dynamax, uh, the, the company that we were introduced with, um, I mean, I, I think I put on like close to 40,000 kilometers in my, in my vehicle. And that was like, that was, uh, just part-time basically like that's not a full-time thing so mm -hmm. it was nuts right the amount the amount we drove and we're out doing meetings and all that it was it was fun um yeah but it's uh it's it's a it's a ton of work what was your biggest takeaway from that from from your experience there what what was the um, one thing that you really appreciated learning so i think the actually i know that my biggest takeaway was I can get up in front of people and I can um, be open, honest, have a good conversation with people. And that's a talent that I have that I didn't, didn't necessarily know that I had. Um, I, that's definitely my biggest takeaway. You know, when I, when I look at my past 10, 20 years, I don't, I don't like to think of anything we did as negative. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I could look back at that and say, well, we don't do it anymore. It failed. Um, you know, we owned a gym about five years ago, uh, in its simplest form, that was a terrible thing to do. But I was thinking this morning, actually, before this call, like, what are the amazing takeaways? And I've got so many amazing takeaways from that. So, um, yeah, but that, that's my biggest takeaway is that I can actually, uh, communicate with people and, and do it well, I think. Yeah. How soon after did you come up with the lighter side of RC? Oh, that's, uh. So the lighter side of RC, it's definitely a progression. Um, it, it's, it's kind of a weird one. So <laughs> that was, so around the, it's actually kind of when we, when we first met uh, with Dynamax, I kind of always knew that I wanted to start a YouTube channel. So that was something that I, maybe for about 10 years now, I am like, I really want to do a YouTube channel, but problem is you need to have content. And you go back 10 years ago and it was a little bit of a different space than it is now, of course, because things develop and grow. But um, so that, that's kind of where it all started, I guess. And I started, I don't know the date on my YouTube channel, but it, it's like seven or eight years old. So kind of around that time. And um, so content is the biggest struggle. So what happened was I, so we, we ended up buying a gym with some friends in 2017, 18. And Ultimately, at, at its core, it, it failed and it was a terrible expense, uh, expensive experience <laughs> uh, and experiment, but uh, it obviously led to where I am today. So what happened was, and this is this, this maybe sounds, I, I don't know, I'll, I'll just say it the way it is. So we were, we were losing a ton of money in the gym. So we had to, the owners basically had to funnel some money in every month uh, to pay the bills. And um, it, it was, it was pretty sucky. We did that for quite a while. And my normal job, I couldn't, I had no extra money after supporting my family. So I'm like, well, I need to make extra money to, to make, uh, to, to funnel into the gym. So I'm like, what can I do as a side gig, a side hustle to make some quick money, do it when I want and, and have a little bit of freedom. Like, let's say a, a Monday night after work, I, I, I can go do something else and make some money. I was like, well, the simplest thing is I'm going to start driving for DoorDash or, uh, um, Skip the dishes or something. Skip the dishes. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. I, but I it, basically, it's all the same thing, yeah. right? So I started driving for Skip the Dishes. I, I signed up and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this in the evenings. That'll, you know, if I make hundred bucks a night or something like that, that'll help pay the, the gym bills. We needed to pay like a thousand to $2,000 a month to, to the gym. And uh, then I thought, had the thought before my very first shift, I was like, why don't I video this stuff? And then put it on YouTube. So I'll video my 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 shifts, put it on YouTube, and then I'll be killing two birds with one stone, right? I'll be yeah. making some extra money, having YouTube content. So that's what I did. And that that was actually, I've got multiple channels, but the lighter side, so just the lighter side, 
Um, that's what it started off as, as me putting up YouTube videos of driving my, my shifts. Now I, I grossed this, or I made this little group of people that were following me and uh, some were drivers, some were just like people and actually got to the point where I delivered food and one guy's like, Hey, I've watched your episodes on. Are you serious? On, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my gosh. It was kind of funny. So every time I got this guy's address, it'd be, it'd be kind of a funny joke. But um, so I, I started doing that and I, I got monetized with that channel, made a little bit of money. And uh, that was kind of cool. It was a neat, neat introduction to the the YouTube world. And then what I thought about was, why don't I start a channel and actually do something that I enjoy? Because I'm already doing airplanes, which is what the lighter side of RC ultimately is. Mm -hmm. um, it's based around the radio control hobby. So why don't I start a channel, record myself doing what I already do? So I already fix airplanes, build airplanes for people. It wasn't to the scale that I do it today, but um, that was super cool because uh, that channel, like the lighter side of RC, grew really quickly. Um, I, I think I was monetized. I started in like January and I was, I was past that 1000 subscriber mark a couple months later and Jeez, um, been growing, growing ever since. Yeah. It, it, it happened really quick. And the, the thing is it's such a niche market. Like there's absolutely, you know, there's some, there's some RC channels out there that have like a million subscribers and those guys basically video flights. That's all they video. They just go out, they, they travel all over the world, videoing flights my channel is based on uh, building and repairing aircraft, which is, I mean, there, there's some guys out there doing it, but not to the extent that I do it. Uh, so it was really like a, a niche market, but one, like when I first started, guys were like, man, you're the only guy doing this. Um, yeah. So that, that's how the lighter side of RC happened. I don't remember your original question, but that's the, <laughs> that's how we got to this point today. And then, my lighter side channel kind of morphed into videoing our house construction because uh, two years ago, three years ago, we were building a, a house on an acreage and part of it is focused around the lighter side of RC, but I didn't want to put that on this channel. So I mm -hmm. just started videoing our house construction and the whole process. And um, yeah, so that, that I don't really upload to that channel anymore because we're pretty much done, but um, yeah, so that's, that's where we got to where we are today. What's the idea behind the the name? Where did that come from? Oh, so the, well, the lighter side of RC is is basically a direct spinoff of my original channel, which is the lighter side. Um, I don't know where that one came from, but the reason I kept it um, and just added the RC afterwards wasn't just because it's simple. Um, it it kind of stems around the so in our in our hobby, there's a lot of people that uh, they they hold on to information and they don't share it. So there's guys that build for other people. And they've got their, their secrets. They don't want to share their secrets with anybody. And they hold on to that stuff so tightly. And so that, that's the, the first thing uh, that I don't like about our hobby is guys not willing to share information. Um, and also the politics in our hobby too. There's a lot of guys that think they're the, they're, you know, their poop emoji doesn't stink. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're, they're the gift to the hobby. Well, um, everybody flies planes, whether your plane's worth $40,000 or, or a hundred dollars, you're still flying something in the air and you're, you know, you're doing this because you love it. Mm -hmm. So that's really what it comes down to. A lot of people say, well, the lighter side of RC, cause what we build here is it's expensive stuff. And they always think it's, <laughs> yes. it, it, it's kind of a, a, a spin off of how much it costs. Well, it has nothing to do with that. It's basically go out, have fun, enjoy the hobby, keep the politics out of it. And, and that's it. That's really cool. I I was introduced to RC from my father-in-law. He he mm -hmm. got into it uh with the helicopters. Oh cool. Um and then he had uh some FPV drones and then I got nice. into that. So I I bought uh some some Fat Shark goggles. Yeah. I you know started with a Mini Whoop and um yeah, just kind of it, it, it's it's really fun. It's a really really yeah. interesting hobby because especially when you're building and ultimately yeah. fixing because when you crash, it's almost inevitable or like to have some damage. Like, <laughs> oh, that landing was a bit rough. Like there goes the landing gear yeah, or, sure. you know, whatever you have to replace. But it's so fun. It's just like it's full of troubleshooting. And then you have your soldering yeah. iron and you get your different like uh, mag lenses if you need to get really yeah. close. Like it's really cool. Um, yeah, it's it's also a big it, people don't think about it's a big stepping stone for for youth too. Um, and that's, that's one of the struggles we were having lately is the, the RC hobby is becoming very difficult to participate in. 
Um, so about a year ago, all of the fields across Canada were shut down and nobody could fly until our governing body um, ironed, ironed some things out with Transport Canada. And uh, we every year we seem to have more and more hoops to jump through, more struggles to, to deal with. Um, and one thing that I, I think people are missing, and I'm going to just say people, um, is there's a lot of kids that their first exposure to aviation might be through model aircraft. Um, they may develop a passion for that, for things that fly through model aviation. I mean, all over the world, I deal with lots of people that they're, they're full scale 747 pilots or whatever they fly and they fly model aircraft. Um, so I, I think if we, if we start to kill the hobby, uh, it's going to be more, I think it's going to be harder to find people to uh, to be in, excited about the aviation industry, whether it's being a pilot or a, or a, a flight attendant or uh, working on aircraft or whatever their their passion encompasses. I don't know if it's the same for kind of your field with the actual aircraft, but when I was um, headfirst into FPV, mm-hmm. um, there were there there was a lot. It wasn't necessarily like the like the politics were still there within like the community and the people, but also the manufacturers. Like they they were kind of putting blocks on different code, and then you could <clears> use different radios, and then only yeah. certain parts fit with only like, and it was just a mess. And it's like you're kind of defeating the purpose of being able to kind of do this yourself, like having it open yeah. source, having it like just have that availability. And and how many communities are there that share different codes and different like flight, whatever, right? Like it's, it's, that's part of being in that community where you're like, Hey, yeah. I'm, I'm having trouble with this. You're like, Oh, did you try changing this to this? Oh my goodness. Yeah. I didn't let me try that. And it worked. Yeah. But I think, is it the same? Cause it, I think they're, they're related enough. Like we're probably yeah. using similar radios. Yeah, for sure. And there, there is a lot of crossover there. I mean, at the end of the day, manufacturers need to make money, right? Everybody needs to make money to support themselves, their companies, their employees, whatever it might be. But um, yeah, we, we, we see a lot of crossover. Like um, there's a lot of radios that guys will use for uh, fixed wing aircraft or helis or whatever that you could also or are commonly used in, in FPV or drone flying. So it's a, it's a crossover and we've got... Um, with, with a lot of our, our stuff that we use, it's not open source. So it's all, uh, you know, you, you got to buy that radio, that receiver, that okay. product, and they all, they all jive together. There are some things that, um, that communicate with each other. So like our flight stabilization system, uh, it's just a little tiny little black box. I mean, that really works with any radio system. They can get upset. They can get set up differently in, in various radio systems, but they're, they work with anything. So yeah. My my biggest question from seeing you guys and even seeing some of your flights, mm-hmm. how the heck do you see it? How like because you know for me for for <laughs> FPV you got goggles on you're seeing exactly what's yeah. in front of your drone. So yeah, it could still be disorienting, but at least you can see. But when you're yeah. on the ground, it's like how do you like? And the biggest thing for me too when I was flying, um, if you were flying without goggles and you were flying inverted, like if you were flying towards yourself, yeah. your controls are flipped. And I feel like that's inevitable to learn when flying aircraft because you don't really get to just reorient yourself whenever you want. Like there are times where you're like, oh, I have to land and the the runway is this way. So you have like how how big of a a challenge was it to learn that or is it is it easier than one might think? Um, It's so your first part the the, how do you see it? Um, That's basically we just keep them close. I mean, close is like. If I, I've got a little GPS unit on one of my big aircraft and on average, when I take off, fly around seven minutes later, land, um, I look at the GPS unit. I've traveled about 27 to 30 kilometers in that flight. Um, so really, if you think about it, you're probably each pass across the runway is probably about a kilometer. Uh, Cause you know, you're, you're going around, you're maybe doing a racetrack pattern or something like that. That's one kilometer to, you know, you're mm-hmm. up for seven minutes. So when you're flying a smaller aircraft, so our smaller jets or whatever you're flying, um, you, you have this tendency to keep it closer so you can see it. And the, the general tendency is when you fly a huge aircraft, you're used to flying at, at that airplane visually looking at that distance. So the big aircraft can actually get very far away from you, which is not a good thing um, because they just look the same in the sky when they're you know, another kilometer away, you can still see it. So you you, you basically try and keep it close is the thing. 
Uh, some guys struggle with that. Um, but the, the biggest hurdle is going to be the landing phase. Um, so when I, when I started in, in model aircraft, I actually started with helis. So I, I, I bought my first little helicopter, put the ping pong balls on it with the sticks, taught myself to fly. This would have been like 2008 or nine and uh, had nobody to, to help me. And I just taught myself to fly this, this silly helicopter. And so I transitioned from helis to basically to jets with very little transition to like uh, a slower fixed wing aircraft. And in my mind, I was like, well, this is super easy because when you're flying a plane, all you have to do is keep the thing moving forward. You know, when you're flying a helicopter, like you said, when you're inverted, uh, your nose is towards <laughs> you, this, this is backwards. And then when your tail is toward you, it's completely crazy, right? So that mindset maybe uh, was a little bit uh, uh, crazy, but in my mind, I was like, well, this is easier, but it took probably like three or four years of, of a lot of whoops and a lot of practicing to actually get the landing phase down. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's the biggest issue. And when you're, when you're dealing with a large aircraft, you know, you've got gear that comes down. So it retracts and goes up and down. You've got flaps, you've got a turbine engine that has a very slow throttle delay. So like an electric or a gas aircraft, when you, when you throttle stick up, it's instant with a turbine they, they are insanely fast right now. Like when you're throttling up, it's four seconds, but you go back 10 years ago when I was kind of uh, just getting started in the, in the turbine hobby, it was like an eight to 10 second delay. Oh my gosh. So if you're, if you're coming in on a short runway and you're committed to that landing, like there's no way you're throttling up and, and doing a go around. Now you pretty much can, they're, they're fast to me. They seem really fast compared to yeah. what I learned on. So. Um, I think it's funny. Cause even, even like continuing this, this conversation, um, when people get into like a really, really fancy car, they mm -hmm. would tend to be like, oh my gosh, I don't want to crash this. Right. I'm so nervous, <laughs> but, but ultimately, right. You already know how to drive. So it's like not too, too yeah. much different, but like, you're still like, oh my goodness, I can't crash this. Like this is, this is a yeah. lot of money. Now you do that into a recreational model aircraft jet. Yeah. How do you get over that? How do you build up enough <laughs> tolerance to go, oops, you know, oops. And you just say, oops. And it's like, this is $20,000. This yeah. isn't a whoops. This is a, uh-oh. Uh and you got to remember too, with a car, if you crash it, you probably have insurance. Exactly. With model exactly. aircraft, you yeah. don't have insurance. And that's that's probably the, the biggest hurdle. And when, I, when I'm teaching people to fly, uh, that's one thing I'll tell them is don't fly the money. So if you're flying the money, um, it becomes very difficult. You know, if you take that $20,000 aircraft off and that's all you're thinking about, you're not going to have a great uh, success with that aircraft. Um, if you, if you take that $20,000 aircraft off and you realize that, Hey, this is actually easier because it's bigger, bigger, bigger is easier to fly than my $200 little tiny aircraft. It becomes a lot easier to fly, but you can't think about the money. So it's, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a tough one for some people. Um, I've, I've learned to get over it. I've had three, three big crashes in the past, um, uh, two years now and it's, it sucked. But, uh, if you, if you're taking, if you're taking that aircraft off the ground, you have to realize that you're never getting that money back. They have, they've all got an expiration date at some point. Yeah. So what was your biggest oops? Um, my biggest oops was probably 10 years ago. That was actually my, my last crash before this, this big grouping. So it was actually quite a while. Um, that was, and that was the biggest oops, just cause I was still learning and uh, I just got it slow on landing and, and basically piled the aircraft into the ground and there was nothing left. Um, <laughs> my, yeah, my, my group of three that happened recently, they're probably the worst kind because it wasn't me screwing up. It was something in the plane messing up, which hurts a lot more. Like I, I would rather have me dumb. We call it dumb thumbing. We, I'd rather have me dumb thumbing it into the ground than something going wrong on my aircraft, right? So my first one, which was about two years ago, uh, it would be, I think it's two years in May. Um, I was basically on my fourth flight of the day. I was doing a turnaround maneuver coming, just turning around back to over the runway. Uh, the turbine shut off. The I had zero control. So I, I found later that the, the main power distribution hub, something went wrong with it. And the aircraft basically, I just watched it slowly dive into the oh ground yeah and and so that one i mean 
if you if you do a nose first into the ground, you're probably traveling two to three hundred kilometers an hour when that happens. And it's like a you, you can imagine a car hitting a brick wall, right? Like there's gonna be nothing left. So um That's yeah, and there, there was nothing left. Yeah. Oh yeah. Especially if, if it was that one that you had built or was that one that you I, yeah, I guess that's one that I built. To... Yeah, it, it was called the Diamond. Um, I built it about three years ago, and uh, I love that aircraft. It looked like it was something from the 1940s. Like the nose came to a, a pencil sharp point, just a weird looking aircraft. And they actually don't make it anymore. The company doesn't make it anymore. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, I was I was sad about that one. And it was it was just a cool aircraft. Had an amazing light setup on it. That was like oh I used to gosh. fly it at ten o'clock at night during the summer, and it's just amazing. So, yeah. But I mean, again, you can't dwell on it. It's just like, well, that's yeah, whatever. So it's unfortunate though, because that that how how long does it typically? I get the depending on the complexity of the aircraft, how long would a typical range to to from start to finish? Um. You? So a, a we call them a sports jet. So a sports jet is just like something that doesn't really resemble a, I mean, it resembles a full scale aircraft because it has wings, but it's not modeled after anything. So like a sports jet is probably the easiest one to put together. Um, it's probably taking about 60 to 80 hours and a lot of the work's already done for you. So the painting's done and the, the, usually the, the surfaces being stuck together to the, to the wing is already done. We call it hinging. Um, so yeah, you're, you're 60 to 80 hours. Uh, one of the big scale builds I'm working on right now. So that's, that's modeled after a, a Russian jet, an SU-30 it's called. Uh, that one I just counted last night and I think I'm up to 130 hours and probably have another like 40 hours to go on it once I'm done. Um, I have some projects in the queue where it shows up as a, as a shell of fiberglass. So the, the fuselage, nothing's done on it. Um, that one, when it's done, you're probably like 250 hours because you're painting, you're, you're actually building the aircraft, then you're painting it, then you're assembling it. So yeah, it's just that the time is nuts. Two questions. <clears throat> what would be considered a large aircraft? Um, wingspan. So they, they've gotten over the past five years, they've gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, we do have some legalities that we have to deal with depending on where you're flying them. But so my S, uh, the SU-30, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it just to be <laughs> yeah. on the camera right now. Uh, the SU-30 is, I think, fully assembled 12, uh, 3.8 meters. So whatever that is, uh, about 12 feet fully assembled. Um, and then the huge. wingspan, yeah, the wingspan is like 10 feet. Uh, we oh have my a, gosh. And, that, and that's not the biggest. We've got an F-14 XL coming. So it's it's the F-14 Tomcat with the, you know, that is the so cool. swoopable wings. Um, so the manufacturer just finished it this past. They've been working on it for a couple of years, but so the, the kits are starting to come out now. That one, I think, is two feet longer than the SU. So that one's going to be about 14 feet long. So they're they're huge. Like they're they're massive aircraft. And you're talking things that weigh 100 pounds. Um, but they they fly really well because they're bigger and they fly better so jeez yeah but they're 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 pretty insane like i i get pretty complacent with them like i was actually saying to katie my wife last night i'm like you know what like when i when a new aircraft shows up i'm i'm excited for it cuz i get to work on it and stuff but now that um that that kid excitement is really not there anymore for me it's just kind of like man this is really cool but it doesn't yeah, yeah, there's not that visceral excitement that I used to have. Yeah. Um, just because I'm I'm so exposed to so many different aircraft now. But yeah. it, it's pretty cool. When people come over and see it, like people that visit our home and the shop and stuff, I mean, when they see one of those in person, they've never seen something like that before. It's just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. How so, do you how do you ship those to people? Because you, you mentioned that you do builds for people all over the yeah. world. So how do you do that? Like, do you deconstruct it enough that you can ship it and then they can kind of like put hinge the wings back on or or how does that look you're every everyone's a little bit different so one of the fellows i do most of my building for he's located in california so what happens is we we do all of his builds throughout the year and then in june we go down to montana jets uh, which is an event down there and what happens is we transport all of his planes there he actually has vehicles or, or uh, drivers come up with uh, his vehicles, they all get loaded and driven back to, to California. That's the safest way to do it. 
going by like FedEx or any of the transportation companies, DHL, whatever, um, you're always, it's always a risk. Um, but sometimes the planes can be dismantled a little bit. Like when we get them, usually the, like a 12 foot fuselage comes in two pieces and it gets okay. bolted together. Right. Um, the wings come off, but, um, yeah, so you're building crates for them and, and uh, wooden shipping crates probably and they get, isn't they get cheap. No, it's not. Cause they're, they're over a pallet size, right? So a pallet, like four by four pallet, which is how most things get shipped. Yeah. Um, you know, as soon as you go two pallets or even longer, like a nine foot crate, now you're three pallets and it, it takes up space in the truck and you can't put stuff on top of it. And so it is expensive, but it's part of the hobby. Yeah. That's really cool. I'd love to see your shop. I, I was watching. I like even when you were talking about when you had started uh, the lighter side of RC channel. I remember yeah. your first couple of videos. It's like this is cool. <laughs> this is awesome. And so, how many how many subscribers <laughs> do you have right now? Uh probably this coming week we should click the forty thousand mark. So we're like, oh my god, we're like thirty nine thousand eight hundred or something like that. So. Yeah, that's that's the the prime YouTube uh, channel number. So that is that is actually incredible. Like that is, Thanks. I don't think it's, anyone really has an idea of how difficult it is. Yeah, to grow naturally like that. Yeah, and I would just try it, try it, try to get yeah. fifteen followers by you know the end of next week. I, good yeah. luck. <laughs> There's, uh, I see a lot of guys starting up a YouTube channel kind of doing what I'm doing and uh yeah it's you know I I've watched a few of these guys just been following them it just, it's it's fun I, I I congratulate them first of all because it's a lot of work I know how much work it takes but you know I see them doing this for six months and they've gotten 300 subscribers or whatever it is right mm -hmm. or it takes them years to get over that that magical 1000 number um it's it's so much work it's it's crazy like I've basically for four years now I just hit my four-year anniversary for four years, I've been uploading two videos a week for four years. So that's that's my normal schedule now. So mm -hmm. it's uh, it's crazy. I just I, I get a little disappointed <clears throat> though when people start a creative product project like this, and then they just quit or like that you just you stop seeing content. Yeah. And you just and it's like I of course like I mean I'm sure we both can kind of understand why whether mm -hmm. you're commitment has changed and you just are no longer yeah. interested. Uh, but I feel like oftentimes it's, it's like, you're not getting that instant gratification. Like you, you thought you yeah. had a really, really good idea. And then it's like, Oh, maybe no one actually wants this. It's like, no, that's, that's yeah. totally not it. People, people no, want this not. for sure. You just, you're not finding the right people. You just don't have yeah. your people yet. Um, yeah. And so for, for me, even in my podcast, like I I've, I've seen a couple of friends that have started um, and then they, they were pretty, pretty aggressive with like putting some content out there and then, mm -hmm. and then just stops. And it's like, it's like, yeah. why, why are you actually doing this? Right. Like, I mean, for, I think one, one of the biggest reasons is it's, it's, it's a creative medium that you kind of have almost full control over, you know, what content you're putting yeah. out. And it's, it's so centered around something that you're interested in most of the time, yeah. usually. Right. <clears throat> um, but then also the hopes of, just gaining a following and, and that eventually leading to some financial success where you're, it, yeah. it is actually now like, Oh, this is actually like a side gig. And then eventually it could end up being like, this is my full-time job now. Cause I'm actually yeah. getting paid more doing this than I am anything else. Yeah. Um, but it, it, yeah, it, I think it, the, um, a lot of people start doing it for the wrong reasons. And that's that maybe that's a bit cliche too, but if you're doing it to like, oh, I want to be like Mr. Beast and, and, you know, have a takeover YouTube or whatever, it's, it's just not going to work. So yeah. it's, it's gotta be a creative medium. And you, you, you touched on that. Like I'm a maker when it, when it comes down to it, I'm a maker. Uh, my grandfather was a maker as well too. He, he made things out of wood. So I remember um, for as long as I can remember, he would be in his shop building things. He would come to my parents' place. I remember him taking all the fence boards when they took down their fence and he turned those fence boards into, um, you know, cabinets and, and all this crazy stuff. So my, my grandfather was a maker and I'm a maker. The maker has changed a lot uh, in today's day and age. I mean, I, I make aircraft, I make uh, videos, I make content on YouTube. Um, so for me, it's, it, yes, there's a monetary side to it, but that's not the reason I started doing it. Um, you know, when you, when you think back to our, what I, what I touched on with starting the driving for skip the dishes, 
um, it was my, my way to, to have content for my YouTube channel because I wanted to start a YouTube channel. I didn't want to take yeah. over the world with my YouTube channel, but um, I just, I wanted to be creative with that. And it was kind of fun. And I learned video editing and I learned so much from that. So, um, but yeah, you, you really have to do these things and be in it for the long term. But you have to do it for the creative side and not, I mean, obviously we want to, we want to make money from it, but um, that's, that can't be the primary focus because it's going to take generally some time to, uh, to get something back. Like I, me and my, my friend, Anthony from New York, we just started a podcast. So it's called um, the RC air experience. Never met the guy. He reached out to me and he's like, Hey, uh, I heard in one of your live videos that you want to do a, a podcast. Uh, really interested. We talked for a couple months and uh, we started the RC air experience. We have two of our episodes um, recorded already. So the first one is just me and him uh, introducing ourselves. The second one is the wives of RC. So we had our wives on. Uh, the third <laughs> one is going to be uh, um, Steve from FR Sky. He's he's the representative for a radio manufacturer. And we be, basically for us, it's a creative thing. Obviously, we'd like to see some monetary uh, benefits from it. But um, I think it's something that our hobby is missing. You know, there, there are other podcasts out there. Um, the one that I was actually on uh, specifically about RC stuff, it's just a, it's an audio podcast. So I don't know if that has a specific um, designation, but that's, that's what he does. Ours is going to be video much, much like this. Right. So, mm -hmm. and we're going to have interesting people in the RC hobby on there. And it's, it's kind of cool to meet these people and get to discuss things with them and share idea, you know, whatever flows from it. So. And I think, I think that's like, <clears throat> when you really go into a project like this, it forces mm -hmm. you to learn so much. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like it, it, it's just, it's inevitable. Like it, it there is yeah. a learning curve, but then I've even found from starting the podcast was like, Oh, this wasn't that hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just in, in finding something you're like, it seems like, I, I feel like there's, there's lots of things that seem very difficult and then you yeah. get there and it's like, Oh, that's easy. But then you find something that you thought was easy. That's like actually really challenging, which is like yeah, sure. marketing it and having people to like actually listen to it. Like that's yeah. the, the, the harder side of things, not actually just like making the content and then uploading it. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's so fascinating. Um, that's, that's really cool. So when, when is that next Thank episode you. coming out? Um, so we're, we haven't released any of them yet. We were getting the okay. first, uh, we were getting the first three done. So then at least we had three in the queue. Um, so we're recording that one uh, this coming Wednesday, so a few days from now, and uh, and then we'll probably release our first one next week around around yeah. that time that the third one's recorded. So, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, it we started a Facebook page as well too. I mean, it's it's fairly easy. There's some benefits for obviously us pairing up together. The benefits are I've already got a following on YouTube and Facebook and, and such. So like when I introduced our RC air experience on Facebook, um, I just shared it to all my friends and, you know, we, we have a bunch of people already following it. Right. So mm -hmm. that helps compared to somebody starting something from scratch, but um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's going to be fun. I, I enjoy it. And that's been an interesting creative endeavors. Well, like, like you said, it's, I kind of needed somebody to help me with that push. Cause I've been thinking about doing the podcast now yeah. since I started my live channel. So I actually have a, the lighter side of RC after dark. That's yeah. another channel. And, uh, and that's basically, we do live streams from the shop. So that was kind of where I was initially going to do the podcast on. And then Anthony came out of the woodwork and we chatted and we just started that. So. And I think, I think the, the one thing too, from any listeners is there's no shortage. There's no shortage of content no. because it's so yeah. unique to you. And I think that's the yeah. one thing too, when you're, if you're going in with the wrong reasons and you're forcing content that isn't really organic with you or you, people are going to see that and you're going to be mm -hmm. disappointed in yourself because you're like, this isn't me. Like, what am I doing? Whether you realize that yeah. right at the beginning or like years later, where you're like, what was I doing with my life? Like, this is almost yeah. embarrassing. It's like, <laughs> just, sure. just be yourself. Like if you have an idea and you, you, you want to have a creative medium to kind of show that whatever you're yeah. doing, there's no shortage. Just go for yeah. it and do it and, and don't expect immediate results. What are you doing it yeah. for? You're doing it more for yourself and potentially eventually finding the right people that'll find value in it. For sure. I got, I got an interest. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to touch on that a little bit too. If you're, if you're getting into this space 
and you don't have thick skin, it's really going to help you develop thick skin because some people love what you do. And there's a lot of people that hate what you do. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it, it's funny. I, I think this has really helped with that. Um, so anyways, yeah, it's, it's kind of a cool, cool area to be in. It, it makes you a better person. So an interesting question for you now. So mm-hmm. your father, your husband, yeah. you still, you still have a, a full-time job. You yeah. have this, the lighter side of RC. You have another, you have a few other channels. Now you're doing a podcast and mm-hmm. you still got to, you're on an acreage now. So now you have, you know, chores <laughs> and you, you still have kids activities and you still have date night and, you know, everything else. Mm-hmm. That's a lot on a schedule. So yeah, when you break down your day and you have everything scheduled, that's fine. But oftentimes things don't go as scheduled. How do yeah. you deal with the mental complexities and how involved you are like that, that takes a toll on mental health. Like what, what do you do if you want to just, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in, in hearing your immediate um, thoughts on that. Two things before we get on anything specific in that. The first thing is I, I, I remember hearing it from, I, I can't remember who it was from, but I, I listened to like, I don't watch a lot of RC related YouTube stuff. So when I, when I watch YouTube, I'm watching how to grow my YouTube channel, how to be a better person, how to, uh, you know, do this kind of stuff, watching Jordan Peterson interviews, that type of thing. So one thing I I realized when this started was this is a season of my life and that season, whether it's, uh, you know, I'm not talking, um, specifically about like a summer, fall, whatever I'm talking about a season of my life. So if this season is one year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, I'm in a season of my life that I've put myself into and I have to be okay with it. My family also understands that as well too. And my wife is amazing. So Katie, uh, she does pretty much all of the kids stuff. And it's been a really good balance um, with her. Uh, she She's basically understood that like I need to do what I need to do and I'll handle this stuff. And if I need you, I'll ask for your help, but I get it. Like you, you need to do your, your thing. So, but there, we do have to find balance as well. Um, so yeah, I, I, I understand that. The other thing that's really important to me is positivity and I need positivity in my life. So that's a bit of a tough one. Um, there's uh Yeah, I things around me need to be positive. And you know, when I go to work, work's work's not always positive, and that's fine because I'm at work, uh, like my normal job. But like, if I've got negative people around me, I can't I can't do that. So I need to I need to separate myself from those negative people because that will instantly bring me down. And I need to be positive, be around positive people, be enjoying what I do, because as soon as I'm a little bit negative or down on myself or have somebody around me that's down on myself, I don't know if this is making sense, uh, it really starts to affect me up here. So yeah, the positivity is a, a big thing. I like structure in my life. So, you know, when I wake up, I wake up in the morning at five uh, thirty, six o'clock kind of thing. And most mornings I, I work out, have a shower, go to work come home. Usually my Monday to Thursday, I'm in the shop every evening or doing something that's scheduled. So if we've got stuff scheduled, it has to be scheduled with me. I don't, uh, I don't do well with things that just pop up and my wife knows that. And that's where the balance comes in. So if she has something that's scheduled or she needs to do with me, she'll schedule it with me. Cause that's just who I am. You know, if she comes to me now and says, Hey, we have to go here today after this podcast and do this and this, that's instantly I get stressed out with that stuff. So it's got to be scheduled in my life. Um, so yeah, that that's my normal Monday to Thursday. I go to bed really late. So I usually I'm in the shop here till about 11 o'clock, um, sleep like six to seven hours a night kind of thing. And um, yeah, so that's, that's my normal life. I, I spend uh, when uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, usually working in the shop or editing videos or, or doing whatever needs to happen. So that's it. How, how big of an influence is um, 
when you work out or not? Have you, have you obviously the, the days that you miss huge. a workout? Yeah. Yeah. I actually, um, I was helping Katie. So, and, and, my, and she's really busy too, which is actually funny, but so Katie actually has a bait. We have a commercial kitchen in our home. Uh, she's just starting an ice cream, uh, shop, like, a, a an ice cream shop in one of the local markets here. Like, it's just crazy what, what she does too. Like she's just as busy as I am, which is nuts. <clears throat> um, so, so your question was, um, how, how does that affect you? Well, about a month ago, I was, I was fixing one of her, her freezers and I was on top of the freezer and I was, I was leaning on the freezer and actually I snapped a rib, which is oh, so stupid. <laughs> so I was like leaning over, pulling on this wire and like snap. And I felt it in my body and heard it. I was on the ground for five minutes. Um, and I haven't really like for three weeks after that, I've never broken a rib before three weeks after that. I couldn't do anything. Cause like if I laughed or breathed, it would hurt. So this was like just before my birthday in October. So we're, we're a month ago. So now I'm just getting back into my workout routine, which feels so good. Um, I, I need to work out in the morning. I, I don't do workouts in the afternoon. So if I miss a morning, uh, I just don't work out that day. Cause if I work out at the end of the day, it does, I, I don't like it. So it's gotta be my morning thing. I get up, you know, spend 20 minutes getting ready and then just, I, I go work out for 30 minutes. So do you have a home gym or do you drive to a gym? Yeah, no, we've, we've got a home gym in my office. I've got a nice gym, but I like to, I just like to work out at my house. I, I I'm, I'm kind of a homebody. Like mm-hmm. when I, I would say I, that, I mean, you have, you have a beautiful well, acreage. You know what I mean? I feel like when, when people say they're homebodies, I just feel like they're, they just sit around drinking coffee and reading books. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. I think that's the wrong message. Like being, being yes. in your quotations home, you have a beautiful yeah. acreage, a beautiful shop and you have, exactly. like, you have a family, you can go do, you can do chores. That's fun. Yeah. Go shovel the yeah. driveway. You can build jets and like yeah. that. That's I like, yeah, let, let me rephrase that. I like being at home. I like yeah. being in my shop. Right. So yeah, that's, that's a better way to say it for sure. Yeah. I've, I've kind of on, on that topic of, of, of going to the gym. Yeah. I think I've been, I've been going to the gym consistently, I think now coming on three years. And I think mm-hmm. that even, even with your, your fitness goals, it, it, a big part of that is, is patience patients yeah. in in the journey um and it, it like nothing's worse than if you get sick and so you take like two weeks off or if, if you're and then it's just busy with work everything else and you end up don't going to the gym for a month and then going yeah. back it's like i ended up having like some anxiety and like i don't want to go because i know i've lost so much strength already and i worked yep. so hard like the last like six months building that up and now it's like basically like starting from scratch again like that it sucks <laughs> But, you know, when you're, when you're looking at, you know, why you're actually going, of course, yeah. part of it is that you want to be strong and you want to be able to kind of like seize those numbers and those PRs, but ultimately you want a healthy lifestyle. It makes you feel yeah. good, growing your muscles, moving your body. It's, it is unbelievably important and helpful. Yeah. Um, and I, I always hated working out in the morning. I couldn't, I couldn't. And I, I was oh, always really? really, really, really bad <laughs> at waking up. And I think the reason why I didn't like going to the gym in the morning was just because I sucked at waking up and I was tired and yeah. then I was late and I couldn't actually go for how long I wanted. Um, so I would always end up going at night after my kids were in bed, like eight, eight thirty, nine o'clock and it taking like 300 milligrams of caffeine. Like, yeah. And then I was like, I'm fine. <laughs> I can just go to sleep. But like, I was just, I was, I was so not being honest with myself and, and, and my yeah. recovery was like, oh I, oh, I had a great sleep. <laughs> and it's like, I'm yeah. a zombie the next morning. And, and then the cycle continues. Um, have you ever struggled waking up? Oh yeah, for sure. It's, uh, yeah, it definitely, I'm, 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 I'm a morning person. So the past 10 years, not really, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I always go through those cycles as well too. I find myself like, I took a, a week off, uh, last week and, uh, I, I slept till seven o'clock, eight o'clock every morning. And I'm, I'm okay with that. Like mm-hmm. it, it's fine. Um, but yeah, like some, sometimes, you know, 90% of the time I feel great waking up in the morning and 10% I don't, but the, and I think, I think that's just normal. I think that's just natural. Yeah. I think that's just part of it. And I think that's why, you know, on, even on the topic of people who say, Oh, I'm, I'm either like a hundred percent a morning person or like yeah. they classify themselves as a night owl. I don't know if I believe in that because yeah. if you need to, or if you want to wake up early, you will. Yeah. 
right exactly. like I, I i remember just like throughout like elementary school if there's a field trip or it was ski day i could barely yeah. sleep and i probably yeah. like i stayed up so late because i was so excited but then when i would my, when my alarm would go off like three hours earlier because i didn't <laughs> want to be late i would be totally fine yeah. because i wanted to wake up and i think that's yeah. like i think it's more of a mental thing where you really need to find the best rhythm for your body and yeah. i i recently found this out um and i'm like actually really happy about it um because i was for the longest time like for the last like year i've been like really making myself wake up at five yeah and i would either be successful or i wouldn't and then and just like it was so hard for me because it was so in- inconsistent for me yeah and i was getting frustrated and then i recently like within the last couple months i changed it so i wake up like quarter to six or six yeah and I, I, I use a, a whoop, just like a, a fitness tracker. Yeah. And I found that my recoveries were always higher than 70%, which is completely yeah. unusual. Like when, when I would be going to bed at like 11, waking up at five, um, I would be at like 30%, 45%, yeah. 50%. It would always be in the red, but just changing that by like almost less than an hour or an hour made all of the difference. So I'm not yeah. crashing in the afternoons anymore. I feel better. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to the gym in the morning. And I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, exactly. So it's 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 interesting, and it's it's like there's there's a lot of work involved. But I don't, like, I personally think that it's it's like mandatory to kind of figure out how your body responds, and and For you're sure. being honest with yourself, not just preference, yeah. right? If all if if I could sleep in till you know eleven a.m. every morning with my wife and not have to deal with the kids, <laughs> and just you know you get your rest, no problem. That would be great. That would be great. Yeah. Right. But, but that's, that's not the reality. So you kind of have to have of course. A, a balance, like you said. Well, and for me, as, as soon as I wake up, like if I, if my body wakes up at five, five twenty two is kind of a, a funny number for me. Like very often I'll wake up, look over at my, well, it's actually on the ceiling. My wife's clock things on the ceiling. I look up and I'm like, 522. It's so commonly 522. <laughs> but anyways, when I, when I wake up at 522, and I just sit there and I, I can't go back to sleep because it's like, well, I, I know I got to do this and I got to do this. And this is my, my mind's already racing. Right. So, yeah, it's uh, that's normal for me. I just looked up 522 angel number. Have you ever looked that up? No. Um, <laughs> angel number 522 manifestation of higher being. Angel number 522 is a message from the spiritual angels that you have come that you have to come out of the pressure you are putting in your life. In other words, you need to focus on what you're doing right now and do not fear running after your dreams. Basically, you have everything <laughs> that will make you successful in life. Equally, you have to believe in yourself before everything else. That's super cool. Thank it's, you for that. Yeah, no worries. I I, uh, I think angel numbers are really cool. I, I personally um, see one specific. And my wife, too. She never she never saw this before we met or before we yeah. were married. Um and it's funny because uh, I grew up in Fort McMurray and there was a radio station. It was Mix yeah. 103.77, <laughs> right? For whatever. Um, but I see that number all the time. Like, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not even kidding. I see that all the time in the morning, in, in at night. But also, if I, uh, I, I do NHL fantasy. And yeah. there are times where it's like, that's the exact number of points that I, I won with that. Crazy. And, and crazy. And it's funny because when I started um, getting into ultra running, yeah. This this was this this was this was funny because I had uh, there was a race locally here um, in eastern Alberta and yeah. I just I wasn't afraid of it anymore and I really wanted something that was like I was scared of and so yeah. I found this one race it's called the Canadian Death Race and well, that sounds fun <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah um, and the registration was already closed so this was yeah. I think um, April or May and the race was August long weekend yeah and registration was closed and then there was a little spot on their website that was saying if you have any questions or concern whatever like just shoot us a quick email i was like okay okay fine okay i'll, I'll do this i'll do this um and so i emailed i was like just so you know like i'm in i'm interested so if you have a spot like let me know but if not like yeah. totally fine no worries actually we have a spot i was like oh great <laughs> um and th- the way that it worked out so as i i ended up just registering and i was kind of on the fence whether i wanted to like defer it for a year because i mm-hmm. with all the training and stuff um but then I, I there was a moment the my number I, I forget what it was but the the number of my bib registration i looked up that yeah. angel number and it was like 
you need to do something that scares you. Like, this is what you're destined for. Like, blah, blah. It's just something I was like, oh my gosh. Crazy. And the the distance for the first leg of the race yeah, was 1.037 miles. No way. 100%. I was really? like, yeah, you literally. And there, there, there was, I remember there was like three or four angel number things that kind of like, just w- when I was trying to make that final decision, whether I was going to like do it or not, I yeah. looked at this and I was like, I cannot not do it now. And I even, I, I told Chelsea, cause she was like, why do you have to do this? And I was like, look, look, look the, the, <laughs> the universe to. is speaking. Like, it's not even my choice anymore. I have to do this. Yeah. But no, oh, I, I, uh, I, I laughed a lot at that just cause I thought the, the irony and what, for whatever reason. That is, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. What, I appreciate uh, that. Yeah, no worries. Um, one of the big things, and I, I'd love to talk to you about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it kind of goes full circle with what we were talking about. Um, attitude. That's a big, yeah. big, 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 big <clears throat> reason where I am where I am right now with yeah. the, the the coaching business that I started um, the podcast, it's really centered around the importance of um, a positive attitude. Yeah. So with your experience, where you are right now, with everything that you've learned, the mm-hmm. ups and the downs, the losses and the success, how important is attitude? Uh, it's probably i would classify it as probably one of the most important things uh, because from attitude stems so many different variations um yeah it's and i recognize people around me and this is this is the whole positivity thing i recognize people around me that don't have a positive attitude and i really don't want to be around those people um, because you can just, you can just sense those people. They're just ho-hum, Eeyore, life sucks. This is terrible. <laughs> you know, it's like, Oh my gosh, man, like pick your spirits up a little bit. Like, well, how can I pick my spirits up? I, you know, my, my life sucks. It's like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, everything, everything you, you can really change your, your whole perception, having a positive attitude. Am I positive all the time? No. I, there's sometimes my wife says to me, you know, you're miserable today. Maybe you should flip things around. That's totally fine. But when I'm in my right mindset, uh, and I, I definitely strive to have a positive attitude. It's funny you bring that up because in, in the company I work for, we've got, uh, it's, it's clauses, uh, which used to be the old, old owner, uh, core values. So there's 11 core values. And we used to give away, um, this is back when construction was, was profitable. We used to do like a, a, a monthly core value award. So we, we'd all gather together and there, you know, there was like 50 people in the company and every, we'd all vote for whoever got, gets this award every month based on those core values. And wh- I got the award one month and you used to get like, I think 500 bucks cash or something with it. And uh, my plaque that's sitting on my desk in my office is the positivity award. Cause that's one of the core values is, is be positive. Um, so I, I really pride myself on being positive in any situation, you know, it's not always easy, but you know, we had a gym that we started and it sucked and it failed. Well, I could focus just on the fact that it sucked or it failed, but the positive side of things, the glass half full side of things is that I now have a great friend that comes over that we met in the gym. He was one of our clients and we've developed this amazing friendship. He comes over every Saturday to help in the shop. And uh, it's just awesome, right? I'm teaching him how to fly aircraft. Uh, there's other positive things out of that experience, but um, that, that's probably my biggest takeaway from that. But that all came from being positive uh, and looking at things in the positive light. So it, the it, it's, it's side 100%, of our seat. <laughs> exactly. It's so important to be positive about things. That is incredible. That is really incredible. And I, I think that was uh, one of the big reasons why I was super excited to to have you on the podcast was from what I remember about you when we met and just kind of seeing what you've been doing hundred percent that, that, that like your, your, your positive um, attitude, the way that you kind of present yourself in, in the direction that you're, you're, you're going is yeah. all just around that. Like you can just tell even yeah. just from watching your videos, like, yeah. If, if things weren't going wrong or say you got a, a faulty part and that took you 10 hours and you're like, oh my yeah. gosh, I have to go back and do that again. 
like <laughs> let's just throw the plane away at this point like what am yeah. i doing but yeah you know just seeing that resilience i think um i really admire your channel i really admire thank you uh what you're doing i think uh you, you really practice what you preach and and thank you. i think the the messages from the different content that you make is is very uplifting and, and a lot of people can can benefit and, and value and find value in what when you're doing. I, I try and make it genuine. Like I, I just thinking about this in my head as, as you're saying that, like, you know, if you're a negative person and you're wanting to switch your life around and be a positive person, is it genuine when you are making a decision? I'm going to be positive today. Well, I think it is, maybe it's working towards being genuine with it. Um, you know, we're all, we all have our, our, our thinking and our, our agency to, to think however we want. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know where I'm going with that, but it did, that popped into my head, you know, is, is it genuine? I try and come across as genuine. Like when I'm a positive person, it's not me faking being a positive person. It's just, you, you can tell though. I think that's the, I think that's the one comment I would make is that when, when someone's yeah. really faking it, it just, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't come across nicely. Like yeah. if, if you were talking Good with point. a boss or an executive and they, they really, they, you knew they didn't like you and they're, they're yeah. full on pretending. It's like, why am I here? Like, why are we even having this <laughs> yeah. conversation? Like cut, cut it out. Like sure. you don't have to skip that. I don't care about it. Right. Like, yeah. And so, yeah, you can, you can kind of smell the imposters from, from yeah. miles away. And so Good point, I think, for sure. uh, yeah, I know I, I respect what you're doing, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you. You bet. Um, and before we end, Hey, how do uh, people, uh, just go list through your channels again where people yeah for sure out. so so ultimately if you if you if you search at the lighter side of rc um all spelt normally so we've got i mean if you want to watch my house construction the lighter side <laughs> is where it all started um then there's the lighter side of rc there's the lighter side of rc after dark uh we've got the rc air experience which is uh a new channel on youtube um, I'm on Facebook as as Jonathan Vote or the lighter side of RC. We have a channel or a Facebook page there. Um, on Instagram as the lighter side of RC, and on uh, what's the other one I'm missing? TikTok, I think as well. <laughs> nice. So um, yeah. I'll throw some I'll throw some links in the description for, awesome. for anyone who's listening. But uh, it was a pleasure, Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you so much. Fun. I appreciate you having me on. It's uh, it's cool to be part of this and be able to do this with you. So thanks. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Keystone Collective Podcast. We hope you've been inspired, learned something new, and discovered ways to elevate your life. Remember to subscribe and share the podcast. Our journey is just the beginning, and I can't wait to bring you more transformative content. Until next time, remember, every episode is a stepping stone forward to a better you. Stay strong, stay curious, and remember, it's a great day for a great day.